to another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, back from the fest and full of wonderful feelings from seeing incredible, badass, intersectional feminists all weekend. I'm recording just hours after getting home from the fest, so sorry if my voice comes off a little raspy. It's totally from screaming and singing to bands like Warriors and Katie Ellen. Anyway, I spent five days split between Tampa and Gainesville, reuniting with friends and catching incredible sets. It would take me hours to tell you about everything that happened, but in short, wow. Every voice, every friend, every moment felt meaningful and uplifting. For five days, I could shut out the rest of the world and focus on the things that make life worth it all for me. Music and friendship. I had the pleasure of seeing some podcast alumni and hopeful future guests throughout the weekend. I caught the incredible expert timing, swooned over Slingshot Dakota, danced along to All Right, felt everything with AW, went on a music adventure with Laureate, experienced Gutless again, swayed to football, etc., and danced my ass off to Binary Heart. I'm just so, so proud and empowered after spending the weekend among these brilliant musicians and friends. If you haven't made the Germany to the annual punk rock family reunion in Gainesville, please do. Fest is a beautiful reminder that if you ever need uplifting, turn to music and turn to your friends. Speaking of friends, I'm very excited to introduce you all to my new friends from the band Early Riser, Kiri and Heidi. These were two incredibly kind people who shared their time with me to talk all about their new record, Currents, which arrived back in June. Kiri and Heidi shared their beautiful journey in music, all about their scene, and their awesome gig in booking for the Chris Gethard Show. So with that, let's listen to some of Early Riser and tune into the interview with Kiri and Heidi. I feel invincible today. My hands are magnetic and can catch anything that comes my way. I refuse to fall apart. Just pour some plaster in the cracks and call it art. Right now, I swear we'd be glowing. 
thank you so much for joining me. How are you both doing? Um, I'm doing great. I'm eating Whole Foods Hot Bar in a big <laughs> uh, comfy chair and there's a cat and my boyfriend's here, so I'm pretty happy. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing pretty well. I'm in bed and uh, in my PJs and just hanging out. Gosh, it sounds like you both are living the best lives right now, honestly. (laughs) Well, I'm very excited to talk to you about all things Early Riser and all the cool things that you just do in general. Um, So to get right to it, can you talk to me a little bit about your early days just in music? What were kind of some of the first instruments you were playing or how did you find your way to music? Um, Well, I have, this is Heidi, I've only ever played one instrument. I've played the cello since I was nine. Um, And then just, and even that, like it was because my parents made me, but I'm kind of glad they did, but I I have not managed to learn any other instruments. Um, I did sing in high school and college and I, and I sing in our band. Um, I started playing piano when I was eight and I picked up guitar in high school. My mom taught me a few acoustic chords. And then I, when I realized I wanted to play, punk music, I got an electric guitar and I took some guitar lessons. Kiri's mom is also our biggest fan. (laughs) So awesome. It's true. I always love hearing about like, you know, people saying that their families are like really into their music and supportive and stuff. So that's always so special to hear. Yeah. Well, you were playing cello, you were playing a little bit of piano and then guitar. What got you into writing your own music? It's just something I started doing in high school, and I don't really know why. Uh, I didn't know anyone else who wrote songs. I didn't, like, ever read anything about it or have any, like, formal training in it. I just um, just started writing, and when I was about, like, 17, I decided it was something that I was serious about. And when I was in college, even, like, before I could find anyone to be in a band with, I would just spend, like, a huge amount of time songwriting, and it just became my outlet for how I expressed my feelings and what I was going through. It just felt natural to, 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 to put it there. Yeah. Um, I still don't actually write my own songs or anything, but I've, um, I've learned how to write parts that fit in with Carrie's music really well. Like she'll usually come to me, usually come to me with a song idea or, you know, an outline and then I'll write my own parts. Um, that's kind of what I've done in every band that I've been in. Um, which, you know, so that's why I always say, like, if you want to talk about the songs and the, and like the deeper meaning and then like talk to Kiri. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool how you both have come together and being able to fuse your music styles together. It sounds like being able to bring together the cello and all these, um, deep parts of the music, but what brought early riser together? How did you meet and what made you decide to start the band? Well, um, there's, there's a couple reasons. Um, first of all, Kiri and I used to book a lot of shows together, um, in a feminist collective called Permanent Wave. Um, so we were booking shows like every month and we ended up being like the main organizers. So we had to just talk all the time. And then we obviously became friends after that. As for our, and that's, so that's how we met. And then we started doing the booking on the Chris Gethard show together. So, and that's sort of a baptism by fire situation. It was really fun. <laughs> and we learned a lot. And, um, and then as far as the band goes, I mean, Kiri, you can tell that story. Yeah, I mean, um, 
I was in a band called Delta Hotel and that sort of overlapped with the time that we were doing permanent wave and stuff. But when that band broke up, I didn't really know what to do. Like I wanted to keep going. I had this name early riser. I had some solo stuff I'd started to write. I was trying to get people to be in this band, but at the time I couldn't find anyone to be in a band with me. So I started playing solo, even though that was like the last thing I wanted to do because it's terrifying to play solo. And, uh, yeah, then Heidi and I ended up playing another band together called Lita, and the solo project went on the back burner. But that band ended up breaking up, and we had this nice practice space. So, like, when the band broke up, we were just like, well, we have this space. Want to come back next week? I was like, want to come, like, write some cello parts for my early Roger songs and do some harmonies? And she was like, yeah. So that was, like, summer 2014, and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> That's so cool that you both had that motivation of like, we want to keep going, let's do something together. And then you're able to kind of take that solo work and craft it into something really incredible. I love all the songs that I was able to hear off of Currents. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's so great. Where did that name Early Riser come from? How did you come up with that idea? Uh, I was in a meeting at work, which is weirdly where I have a lot of my ideas. Not that I don't focus. I'm very good at my job. But, like, sometimes I'll just be doing, like, a little doodle or something. I'll just, like, pop into my head. And for some reason, it just, like, came to me. I was doing this little doodle. And uh, I had been wanting something kind of positive and nice. And, uh, uh, you know, people assume that I'm the early riser. It kind of came more from my mom who can't sleep more than like four or five hours just like physically she wakes up at like four every day so if I'm home you know by the time I get up she's already like read a whole book and the whole paper and done three crossword puzzles and like (laughs) you know so I just liked the sound of it that's so cool I like it it's kind of like a homage to her it sounds like too and (laughs) yeah (laughs) no wonder why she likes the band then (laughs) and it's kind of like hint hint you mom (laughs) (laughs) yeah Honestly, I've become, I used to like joke and be like, early riser is a misnomer because like I have historically never liked getting up early, but in the past month I've started doing it more and I kind of like it and (laughs) I work freelance so I can really, you know, set my own schedule, but I'm starting to really dig those like two hours in the morning when like no one bothers me. Um, And so, so I would, I mean, and that's probably because no one's making me do that. I think most of my um opposition to being an early riser was that I was forced to be one (laughs) you know for like I'm 32 and like I'm still mad about how early I had to get get up in high school so um yeah so so yeah I uh, you know I guess I've just it's osmosis or something I've just heard the name so many times (laughs) (laughs) yeah in the beginning she would comment about it a lot uh that we we weren't both early risers and now I know that she hasn't been doing it yep Oh my gosh, that's funny. Well, I mean, I'll I'll enjoy early riser music, but I don't think I'll ever be a literal early riser. My dogs <laughs> wake me up at like six in the morning every day to go out and be fed. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> I wouldn't like that either. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, I'll adapt to it maybe eventually. Maybe I'll become an early riser too. <laughs> Night owls are also great. That can be our um, dark wave side project. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love the sound of that. Well, I really love the style of music that the two of you have brought together. I mean, it's got that element of folk punk. It's got a little bit of just like that kind of like classic punk energy to it. Um, what what 
direction were you kind of going for in the beginning as far as like sound goes? I mean, I don't like to pigeonhole people into genres, of course, but um, there's so much in there, I feel like, musically. Um, the thing I like about this band is that, and all the bands I've been in, that they've never been the type of bands where we got together because we liked the same bands and wanted to be in a band that was a certain genre. You know, like that's how a lot of bands start and that's, that's great too. But I just write songs and I've never really had a lot of control over what genre comes out when I write songs. Like it's changed over time. Like when I first started writing songs, I was really into Less Than Jake. So I was writing like ska punk songs. I was like, this is going to be the horn riff. But, um, <laughs> and then like as, as my taste changed, it's like, you know, I'm sure I've, I've been influenced by everything that I've been into, but it's always just kind of been like, these are my songs. And, uh, and even when I first started writing them solo, these songs, I, uh, envisioned a string part. Maybe it's cause I already knew Heidi and, you know, we were working together in the other band and we had strings and stuff, but that's just kind of where it started that there were these solo songs with this punk energy. And we knew that like harmonies were going to be a part of it because I'm obsessed with harmonies and every Benjamin has a lot of vocal harmonies and we knew the cello was going to be part of it, and that just kind of grew from there. Yeah, um, we. I think that I would like to say that we are a band that would not be out of place at a punk show, but we can all. We don't have to only play punk shows. Like we're not. We wouldn't. It wouldn't be weird if we played another kind of show. Um, so and we have. And we have. We yeah. play with indie pop bands and with, um, you know folk singers and can folk punk bands and can just kind of go between those I think which I like we just uh, the only thing we really don't like is when someone's like oh do you want to be on this acoustic singer songwriter night and we're like nope absolutely nope. not terrible because <laughs> you know what that is it's not good <laughs> yeah we did a couple of shows at sidewalk cafe in our acoustic duo days and it's just not our scene names <laughs> not against the venue it's just like there are certain places where like you know it's a it's a different genre it's a different scene like we like punk shows that's just where we feel good vibes and just where we book shows and the venues that we know and the people that we know and what we like which i think I is like more important than like the sound of the band we want I to feel be a good experience what you want it to be a good experience for yourself and if you know what you love you're booking those kind of shows you're going to those kind of shows yeah, like, I'm very uncomfortable if somebody's, like, sitting at a table drinking, like, red wine and there's, like, a candle. <laughs> you know, I mean, that there and there's a time and a place. There are, band, there are wonderful, great bands that you can see like that. It's just not our thing. Yeah. What should people be doing and drinking then when they're at your show? <laughs> La Croix? <laughs> uh, no, they drink whatever they want. Um, it's, I don't drink. Uh, alcohol. I don't either. Neither does Kiri. So, um, yeah. So we would probably recommend some kind of bubble tea or <laughs> love bubble tea. <laughs> uh, or I'm really into this stuff. Uh, the yerba mate, the gaiaki thingies. Nice. Um, I've also been unsuccessfully trying to get Club Mate to sponsor us. <laughs> it's true. So far, no luck. I definitely love the sound of that. And I like that, you know, you can have fun and be loud and have that punk experience, but you can also enjoy a nice like mate or lacroix or whatever. And just enjoy. That sounds yeah. wonderful to me. Yeah. It's good when uh, you know, when we play with like a drummer or a bassist who drinks, we're like, all drink tickets all the drink tickets go to you. Those are all yours. Wow. <laughs> Another perk. That per that person gets to score, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's so cool to hear about those kind of experiences for you and what you like and everything. Um, digging into Currents, because first of all, I really love this record. Um, it's really beautiful. I love the harmonies. I love the cello. I love every aspect of it. Even the drumming is great. Um, what was it like for you writing this record and putting it all together? It was really exciting. I mean, it's been a goal of mine for a really long time to have an album come out of songs that I wrote and bands that I've been in since college that I fronted just never worked out and got to the stage. And I think I just didn't know how to get there. And it wasn't until I had been in the other band with Heidi and I had been in this band called Claire's Diary that was with um, two much younger girls who had been in Care Bears on Fire, the popular... Uh, not not kid rock as in rock for kids, but they were kids and they were in like a legit rock band. So I was in um, I was in that band and we made a record. So by the time we had this band, I'd been in the studio and made two albums with other bands, and I understood how it worked. And I think that really helped in in knowing what the steps were when we were like, okay, this is what we want to do. This is how it actually is going to to happen. And uh, you want to talk about Joel? Yeah, um, and then I think that, you know, once we had the record written, we really wanted to make sure that we had a positive recording experience because our previous experience had not been so positive, and it just, we didn't want it to be like a chore. We didn't want it to be like something where we felt that we would have to convince someone else that our ideas were good or, because like, it just shouldn't be like that. Like we were, I was just, me personally, I was so spooked by our last experience that um, it felt really important to make it with someone we trusted. And um, my friend, Joel Tannenbaum, who um, he was in that band Plow United and he, um, he fronts a solo project called The Rentiers, which I've played on those records too. Um, and the ex-friends was one of his other bands. He's like one of my closest friends and he, um, I, I asked him if he would produce our record and well first and and he said yes and then like for Kiri to trust that that would be okay and she had never met him at that point um you know it was really cool that she trusted me and trusted him and he was great because he is you know he's he let us know when he thought something didn't work and he had a lot of really good ideas and um he kept being like I have never produced something before I'm not a producer which is not true. He's really, yes, you have. Yeah, his own records are amazing. I mean, the Rentiers records are so well orchestrated, and he had worked with Heidi. That's always really important for us, like, uh, in terms of working with the producer engineer. Like, do they know how to work with cello and piano? Because we did add piano uh, at the end. And uh, and we loved how his records sounded. We're, we're like, no, you know how to produce, and you're just not, you're just being too humble. And he did a fantastic job. Yeah, like I've played on records where I might as well not have played on the record, um, you know, because it, a lot of producers and engineers just don't understand, like, and he, they just don't understand how to use the sound and like how to put it at the forefront. And um, one of my favorite records that I am on besides our own is um, a Rentier song called, um, oh, is it Die Tryin'? It's called... This is your, it's like Die Trying is the name of it. Hang Out or Die Trying? Hang Out or Die Trying. Hang Out or Die Trying. Yeah. If you listen to that song, that is one of my favorite, my most favorite recordings of a cello. And it's also me, but you know, <laughs> uh, but it sounds great. That was sort of a reference recording for me to show to Kiri to be like, look, he gets it. Like, you know, yeah. this, 
this is a person that could help us make our record. And we are so grateful and we love Joel so much. That's so awesome to hear. Yeah, I, it sounds like he did an awesome job with like producing and making sure that everybody's parts are very clear, very well showcased, honestly, because I could hear everybody clearly, everybody stood out. I think at one point, um, it, because I know you both harmonized, but the cello felt like a third voice yeah. almost, performing. And that was one of the most gorgeous things I think I've heard in music is being able to hear, basically it felt like three voices together. And I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. As soon as I heard it, I was just like, yeah, this band's amazing. We're going to have to talk to you all. So. Oh, thank you. It was really well done. (laughs) Thank you. That that is something we were definitely conscious of, that there are times that the cello can be like a a third voice. And, you know, we we both have a good ear for harmonies. So when we have two harmonies, we know what the third part would be. So there are times that the cello takes that third part, and we really like that. And also because it's something that's probably too high for me to sing. That's another reason. (laughs) We use it like that. (laughs) That's also, yeah, there are some parts where if if, if the... I think that's what we did. We did at the end of the line, like the the high harmony for what I was singing was too high to hit. So the cello just uh, does straight up harmonizes with me on what the vocal part would have been. And it sounds awesome. Yeah, it's like it gives even more boost at that point to everything that you're already putting in. I'm like, this is amazing. So I I just have to say that it's it's just so great. it kind of feels like that record is very thematic in ways because I love the way that Just Start Dancing and Currents kind of tied together. Was that always intentional from the beginning or is that something that kind of came together while you were producing the record? Uh, both. The, the theme was definitely intentional. These are songs that I wrote over a long period. Like a couple of them were from my old band. So those were quite old and then some of them I had written when I started as a solo project in 2012 um and then a couple were written like once we were making the record and Currents was the last one that I wrote and uh before then it just it didn't have a, an end it had this collection of songs that fit together thematically because they were all about really important times in my life and a lot of like important endings in my life whether it was with like people or bands or whatever so it had a lot of like a lot of endings and a lot of kind of moving on themes but it didn't have like a real ending so when I had the idea for currents um I really wanted to tie it together and that's when I got the idea to, to bring the just start dancing I love thematic records I love when you can tell even if you have to hit people over the head with a little bit to be like this is a thematic record like I'm okay with that so I felt really good about being able to to tie that back in and end um on that really positive note because there are ups and downs there are positive songs there are darker songs in the record but to be able to end on that note of like you know going with the flow of life and uh if you need help to get off the wall and get someone to dance with you and we're all in it together then uh yeah that song reminds me, has always reminded me, it's like our answer to like Robin's dancing on my own. Ah, I love it. I love that. Actually, now that you mentioned it, it's a beautiful answer to it. It feels like, you know, it's like, well, that's, why be by yourself whenever you can have somebody? No, find me for the waltz is my dancing on my own. Kidding. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I said, find me for the, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, like, I'm you're... having some audio issues. No, but um, yeah. Sorry. Um, no, I was just going to say that dan- that uh, our Dancing on My Own equivalent to me is uh, our second single, Find Me for the Waltz, which is like 
literally the same thing, but at a, at a punk show. I love that though. I really do. It's that song was so incredible to me. I, I definitely was one that stood out and now that you mentioned it, the, I like that there's the story now starting to come forward a little bit with that song and like, you know, the image of being at the punk show with that. That was definitely something that adds more to it. So and that's just straight up like where I was. I was just at a show and I was feeling sad and having this experience like in real time and the song just like came together and is the only song on the record that's really just a story like it's just a story of straight up like what happened in one night uh and I, I really like how it turned out like literally yeah. Carrie was like this happened it kind of sucked but and then she wrote a song about it <laughs> well you got the song out of it so that's awesome yes yes that's that's the great thing about starring that's why I love it because like something really tough can happen and then I write a song and when I write the song it's like this capsule and there's something about having that capsule of that experience and like making sense of it and almost having the last word on it that really helps me move on from it. It really is therapeutic. Like I have this song now and if I have this feeling again, then I can go back to this song. And sometimes like I, sometimes I need that, you know, like there's a ton of bands that I love and a ton of songs that I go to when I need them, but maybe they're not about that specific thing. So I can write the specific thing and then I have it um, for when I have that feeling. I love that. And it's, it is like a time capsule in that sense. And then you get to reflect on it and turn it into something beautiful. Um, definitely one of those lines that stood out to me in the record that meant a lot was I, I love this lyric. It's okay to go out with a whimper as long as you come back in with a bang. As soon as I heard that, I was like, Oh my God, that resonates so heavily. It's powerful and important. I, I've always admired musicians and people who have that kind of mentality of being able to stay motivated and you know accept when things are difficult and then jump back in it where did that line kind of come from for you that came from my band breakup uh, right uh -huh. before I started the solo project because I was really bummed out I mean every time I've been in a band I at least the ones I fronted like I wanted that band to be it or I thought that it had to be it and if that wasn't the band that I you know, made records with and toured with and, and had success with, then that was it. So every time it's the same as like romantic relationships, you know, when people are together and they think, oh, this has to be the person. And if we break up, then, then there's not, there's no one else out there for me, you know, with every band, I thought, oh, this, this, this has to be it. And then when it didn't work out, I was just devastated. So that was just my way of kind of psyching myself up to be like, no, like I have these other songs. I have these ideas. Like, I'm going to keep going and something can kind of fizzle out in a way that I didn't want it to, but like, I just have to believe that there's something good ahead. Cause if I don't, then there won't be. And if I do, then I'll work for it. And you know, it's kind of self-fulfilling. Well, I really love the sound of that. And it's so cool to me that you've kept driving yourself to keep creating music and you know, the work shows for it with how great this record is. Um, what were your favorite songs on the record? Um, I really like Oh Nevermind a lot, especially because Joel had Kiri play with feedback and it was really fun. Um, like recording that song <laughs> fun. And um, I just, I just like it because it's like probably the song with the most teeth on the, well, I don't know. There's other songs with less obvious teeth. 
right? Yeah, that's that's the one with the most teeth, I would say. Yeah. It's the only one that borders on vengeful <laughs> in, in small ways. Um, yeah, that's probably my favorite. It's so fun to play live, and we got to do so much with, in the studio with the layering. We've got more vocal parts going at, any, at one time than at any other point on the record, and that's something that I want to continue to play with more in the future. And, uh, yeah, I just love how cathartic it is, even playing it now, even, like, you know, a couple years later when I'm well over the thing it's about. It's just really cathartic to get to sing it. It's a great song, and I've got my fingers crossed that'll be on the set list for whenever y'all come down for fest and stuff, so. Absolutely. Yes. Well, we get a full half hour. For a, for a punk band, half hour is so long. We've never played a half hour set, so we're like, well, we guess we should, like, put most of the album on there and the cover and stuff, because it's not like we're going to talk that much, so it's kind of a, a luxury to get to fill out a whole half hour. We have one and a half cover songs. <laughs> one and a half? prepared if you count the one that we have that we know and then the one that we sort of know oh yes <laughs> yeah but there will we will have more when that's happened oh man i'm so excited for all of that i really am um you know i know you mentioned the a lot of the songs are kind of older songs that are on this record but um what has the response been like at your local shows to currents and the different songs you're playing off of it hmm um, well, the Nevers came out first, and that was our music video that got around the internet, partially because of uh, a couple of our friends who were in it, like Chris Gethard and Jeff Rosenstock. So people definitely tend to know that song the best. And, you know, I think it was a good choice to put it out there first because it's catchy and it's positive and people re- respond well to the, the lyrics and the message. Yeah, people seem to enjoy singing along to the parts of our songs that they know. Which is cool because, like, I, me personally, like, when I go to see bands, like, I, I go to see everything from, like, I saw Belle and Sebastian, but then, like, I went to see, like, Mets, who you have no idea what they're saying ever. They're just, like, screaming. Like, there are words, but they're. <laughs> what are they saying? It sounds great, but what are they saying? That's how I feel okay. when I see them, too. I think this song is about capitalism, you know, like. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But then I also really like, you know, going to see bands where I'm like the mountain goats, like, oh, that is what he is saying. Understood. <laughs> um, so, and I think that, I think that that's something that we, a service we provide. <laughs> <laughs> um, our songs are pretty literal. Um, and there's not a lot of like fancy, like metaphor, like there are some metaphors, but we don't get too flowery, um, which I think is cool. Say what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I want people to be able to know what the songs are about, because for me, you know, there's the the personal therapeutic aspect of writing, but I've also always written because I wanted to connect with people through my lyrics and, you know, to almost, almost selfishly, like, get that validation from other people that I'm not the only one who feels this way, but at the same time can give to other people the knowledge that they're not the only ones that feel that way, and to be able to connect through that to me is just one of the most amazing things about music. Yeah, well, I definitely feel that in your music. A lot of the songs that you're writing and the lyrics that you're putting out there and stuff, they all feel very universal and very real experiences. So you're definitely not alone in all of that. Thank you. That was one of the reasons why I think I attached myself to this record so well is because I'm like, oh my gosh, these are all very real experiences. And 
they're telling these experiences so beautifully. So, um, thank you. Yeah. So earlier we were kind of talking a little bit about how you like to play more of the punk shows and stuff, but what's the local scene like for you around like you're, you're in Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are like the local shows like for you? And, um, what's that experience like playing a show? What's your favorite parts? Um, I would still say that we really like it when we get to book the whole night because, um, and like, we can do that at this point because, you know, like we know enough bands and we know enough venues and stuff where we can usually build a bill ourselves. Um, and that's always fun because then we get to usually choose where we go in the bill and like, we get to play with bands that we genuinely like playing with and who we like as people. Um, but, and the event and like the the genre has definitely like stuck towards punk. Like we have, like we've played, but I mean, a lot of the times it's really comes down to like who we like the most as people is, um, is really, I mean, you know, that's the best when a show is like, you know, a really good vibe and everybody's like there to enjoy each other's set and nobody like acts like a princess or anything like that's, those are the best shows. Um, but we do get asked to play a good amount of shows and they're getting better and better, which is really cool. Um, and we have a lot, we have some really nice friends who think of us when they put together bills and we really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I mean, like for all of the DIY spaces closing down in Brooklyn, I mean, there's like, there are a few, there's like new stuff happening all the time and, um, it's a pretty supportive scene despite how difficult it can be to make it sustainable. Yeah. It's really nice to hear. I mean, I got sad for, on behalf of a lot of my friends who are in Brooklyn and stuff, and I started hearing about a lot of really good spaces getting shut down, but it's good to know that there's that sense of community there and that y'all are still working hard to book the shows that you want to play and enjoy each other's community. That's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, something that's been important to us from day one, and even to me from day one, playing in a band in like 2010 when I didn't have the punk scene, like I just always knew that I wanted to play shows with people I liked and bands I felt good about and venues where I would go see bands. Like I have never, I feel very proud of the fact that I've never played a show at like a random crappy Lower East Side bar just because someone said like, oh, I have a slot for your band. Even like in the beginning, I was just like, I want to play a good show. I emailed Cake Shop and I was like, can I put on a show here? And I emailed some bands and I said, do you want to do a show with my band? And I had never booked. I didn't know anything about it. And, uh, and they let me do it. And that was like one of the first shows I ever played. And uh, I just, I feel really good about that. We've been able to do that. You know, that we don't take shows that at venues we don't feel good about or like with bands that we don't feel good about playing with. Right, because for every good venue and promoter that there is in New York, there's probably, like, three really scuzzy ones. Oh. Uh, you know, like, there's a lot of, like... Yeah, yeah, I guess it is more the promoters. It's not the bands, but the, yeah. yeah, the shitty promoters. We get, like, we still get emails that are, like, hey, early riser, you know, like, insert name here. Would you like to play one of these shows with insert random band here? You know, like... And it's like a, you know, it's one of those like pay to play shows where they try to make you sell tickets ahead of time. But like bands do it because they just don't know better and it sucks. And, um, you know, like it's a lot of people do that when they first move here and start playing and it it sucks that that happens. But my advice would be stay out of Manhattan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> that totally makes sense to me. And it's good to know that y'all are out there booking the shows that you want to play and providing, it sounds like, cool opportunities for the friends that you make too and stuff in the scene. So that's always awesome to hear. Awesome. So speaking of the playing and booking that y'all have been doing and stuff, your other work is also booking guests for the Chris Gethard show. That's pretty cool. How did you become involved in that? It is pretty cool. Uh, so Heidi just had to run. Sorry about that, but I will answer the rest of the questions. Um, uh, yeah, so in 2012, our friend Zane, who plays in this awesome band, Mind Troll, who we had done some permanent wave shows with, uh, randomly asked us if we wanted to meet him at a Whole Foods one day, and he had this proposition for us. So we met him, and he was like, yeah, so my bands have played on this weird public access show with this comedian, and... Uh, you know, because he was in some, like, real weird bands, and this show liked having weird bands, and Chris said that he just didn't have the energy or the resources to keep finding weird bands to play on his show, so would Zane become the booker and find more weird bands to play on his public access show? So since we are both really active in, in booking, um, he, especially since we knew, like, a, just a lot of different bands and feminist bands that could bring a certain level of diversity, uh, he asked if we were interested in doing it with him, and even though we were all, like, like the busiest people we knew. We were all in like multiple bands just doing a ton of stuff or like having a lot of different projects. We were like, okay, like we'll check this out. Um, public access wasn't really on most people's radar then. Like I didn't have any uh, prior knowledge of like what was going on on MNN or, or BCAT or like the, the stations in New York. Um, it didn't, it just sounded real weird. I, I couldn't really picture it being something cool. But then when we went, it was, you know, all these super talented UCB comedians who had this show that they had brought from UCB to public access. And it was insane and amazing. And we were immediately like, yes, we're all like way too busy to do this. And yes, we were going to do this. We're going to bring all of our friends' bands to a public access studio on, you know, the far west side of Manhattan. It's pretty out of the way at 11 p.m. on Wednesday nights and get them to play on the show and that's just our lives now being tired on Thursdays at our job. <laughs> that sounds so awesome though and I love hearing about how it all came together. I mean it, it's such a variety of bands that have played that show too. Um, I, I just think about how amazing yeah. it is that like the DIY community is so tapped into it well it seems like so many great artists have come through and I, I mean whenever I, I flip through and get a chance to watch a little bit of the show I'm always excited because it's like oh my gosh wait this band I really like is playing and you know most musical acts and stuff you think of like the late night shows and stuff like that that are like on the mainstream uh cable and stuff so to hear that this jump is now happening with like public access into you know it's on um true tv now right Yes, True TV. That's awesome. Uh, Thursday nights live at 11 Eastern. That's so cool. Um, what's your favorite part of being able to like book these very unique bands for this kind of audience now? Yeah, I just mean basically what you said, being able to book these bands for this huge audience. It's, uh, it's really gratifying, you know? That, um, yeah, we put bands on TV that wouldn't necessarily get a chance to be on TV because we're just not working with the same, 
you know, maybe high level publicists that are, that are pitching the big late night shows saying, Oh, this really big major label band I work with has a record coming out. Let's get them on the show. The day their records coming out, we just don't work that way. You know, we're like, who's good. Who's great live. Who have we seen live that we can't stop talking about how good they are live. And uh, that we feel that we need to give this opportunity and that we feel a benefit from this opportunity. Yeah, that's so cool that you mentioned that because it's like these are really great bands that are either up and coming or, you know, in the broader sense for some of the punk scene, you know, they're pretty sizable. Um, And then what I really love is this is probably in part with how the show is shot as well. But I feel like these bands put out the same energy that you would see if you went to like a warehouse or basement show or if you went to like one of their Mm -hmm. shows on tour. It feels very real. Like I was just watching the Cayetana one. I'm like whoa, I feel like I'm actually there. And usually you don't get that feeling with television. So that was incredible. To yes. Like- I'm glad that you that you got that from the screen. Like as someone who's always been at the show and experiencing it live, it's harder for me to know what it's like week to week for people who are watching it from home. And we want it to be, you know, for the viewers and not just like the 100 people who are in the studio, even though it's great for those people to be at a show, we want everyone to be able to feel that. So I love that you got that feeling of being at like a basement show or a warehouse show because to us, that's one of the things that makes it so special that it's not like other late night shows where they have this stage and everyone's still sitting down and the band just kind of performs. It's like, no, we're doing a show and we encourage people to sing along and dance and get crazy. Often one of the cast members will end up crowd surfing and everyone's just like losing it. And, uh, and the bands like feel like they're playing an actual show and often I, I believe it was the the Cayetana show you just mentioned where they finished and they're like, oh, we want to keep going because the energy <laughs> in the room is so good that you play three songs and you're like, wait, no, this crowd is awesome. I want to, I just want to keep having this experience. Yeah, because yeah, so many of those bands I'm very fortunate to have seen at some point uh, over the years watching them on the show. It's just, it's so well done. Like I said, I mean, I, I get that same energy of whenever I'm at a show and I'm just like, as soon as I finish watching the clips or watching the episode, I was kind of like, well, damn, I hope they come through and tour again, like this area, because I miss them now after watching. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's really well done. And I'm yeah. the bands you're booking. Thank you. And I love that that's the feeling you get. You know, I hope that everyone who checks out the bands, uh, feels the same way of like, oh yeah, this band seems really good live. I want to go check out their tour. Like that would, nothing would make us happier, you know, and nothing does make us happier. There are a lot of people that we've brought on the show, like Mal Blum, who have just like really taken off with the fans of the show, who at least in the beginning were a lot more comedy fans and they didn't know as much of the punk scene. Now there's a lot more overlap, which I, I love. And I think I, we can credit partially to the show that like bands started coming to us and we got bigger and bigger bands. And now like the scene knows us and you know, the comedy kids know those punk bands. We have this like synergy. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful interweaving of practical fandoms at that point. People who love like good, like punk emo indie music and people who love comedy. And I got so excited when I found out that this was all going to come to a head also at, the fest this year because it's like okay they do their comedy showcases every year but now we get to top it off with chris gethard's show it's amazing to have that kind of experience and knowing that that's all going to come together in that space something that you all on that team it sounds like have been building 
Yeah. It's, it's really exciting. So it's early risers, first time playing fest and my first time going to fest. And in the same night we get to play and then go right over to um, the venue where the Gethard show is happening. We actually put that set and ours on at the same time by accident at first. And Mikey Erg is playing with our band as well as in that. But, um, but since Mikey is always in like a hundred sets at fest, they're used to building the schedule around when he is available or like all the bands he's playing in so that he doesn't have any overlap. So thankfully it was no problem to, uh, to move us so that we weren't competing with our own show. That's so cool. Well, I'm definitely excited for all of it. You know, knowing that you are involved in like both playing music and booking music in that sense, um, what experiences or what things have you learned from booking on the Chris Gethard show that you apply to either booking your own shows or to your music? It's a good question. Um, I think the thing that, that we often just take away is just like, be nice. You know, like there are some bands that are so nice and appreciative and easy to work with. And then there are sometimes people who come on, that we deal with that are surprisingly difficult or hard to work with. And people remember those things, you know, like if you're, if you're friendly and appreciative of the opportunities you get, like people will remember that and give you more. And if you are difficult to work with and not appreciative of the opportunities you get, then people will also remember that. No, that's totally reasonable. I know that that sort of like genuineness, if it comes through on all levels and you're genuinely into but the opportunity and what you're out there creating, it, it, I feel like that's what helps produce more chances and more opportunity to kind of keep growing. So that's awesome to hear that it, it works that way for across the board for other people too. Yeah. So with that being said, um, what advice would you offer for somebody who wants to get into booking and then maybe wants to play music? Um, I would just say, start doing it in whatever capacity is available to you, you know, whether that's just, uh, playing at your, in your friend's living room and putting together an acoustic show. Some of my earliest, uh, acoustic shows were just that in our friend Sophie's living room called the Cuddle Cave, uh, or just emailing a local venue and asking a couple of your friend's bands if they want to do something, or even just like playing a couple songs with a with a friend one day um I think it's just about not being afraid to ask it really comes down to at, at every level like I'm always being reminded that um it's natural to have a fear of asking for anything because of that uh you know looming specter of rejection and failure but you're also most of the time not going to get it unless you ask so if there's someone cool that you're like oh I'd really like to play with them I don't know if I'm good enough I don't know if I'm cool enough it doesn't hurt to ask because people love being asked. People love being, you know, respected for the work that they do and having cool creative partnerships. So if you're just like out there meeting people and making connections with people you admire and just like asking for what you want, you may not always get it, but oftentimes you will be able to like find people to play with and find places to put on shows and people who will play them. And then you just kind of, build a community from there and the more opportunities you make for other people then they'll make opportunities for you in return that's 
really, really well said. I mean, for anybody who might be listening, I mean, that's motivating for me as somebody who does podcasting. I can only imagine for somebody who is into like music and booking out stuff to feed off of that. That's really incredible. And I, I love learning about that from you. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, so what are some long-term goals or what would you like to see happen next for Early Riser? Oh, I mean, I have a lot of goals, but the what we're going to do next is play fest and then come back and play a lot of really good shows the following month. And uh, I think what I envision next is a combination of trying to do some more touring with bands that we like and, uh, you know, going back to some cities that we've really enjoyed and also hitting up some new places. And uh, personally, my goal is to write another record and have it not take 10 years. Like, the first record I didn't know I didn't know if I could do it you know like having taken songs that I wrote over such a long period and putting them on this record I was like I don't know what happens after this I don't I don't know how I'm gonna write another record but it's like I'm a songwriter this is what I do and I already have ideas and I'm already going to our practice space once a week and just hashing out some new stuff so that feels exciting to know that um you know, the record's getting out there, you've been getting some really good feedback and opportunities, but, like, as a musician, it's always just about, like, the creation, you know, that's the fun part, uh, often, besides playing shows, like, it's really fun to get in the studio and write new stuff, and, you know, just have, like, new ideas that you're excited about putting out there, so I'm just trying to find that, that balance. Well, that's exciting to hear, and, you know, that record was so well done, I mean, 10 years was worth it clearly because <laughs> music was so good and I, I'm excited for what you do next. I hope that creative fuel keeps going for you. Thank um, you. Where can everybody keep up with early riser on social media or keep up with you and Heidi? Yeah, well, we are on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. If, uh, yeah, if you put in our name, you'll find us. And, uh, yeah, you can, uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but we're playing at Fest on uh, Friday, October 27th at Lucy's at 10 p.m. on a really great showcase. The bands that whole day are really fantastic. And um, going to be playing in New York, New Jersey, and Philly in November as well. And uh, as we've talked about, we, uh, you know, we're bringing the bands on the Gethard Show every Thursday night, 11 p.m. True TV through November. Awesome. Everybody's going to have to make sure they keep up with you on all this awesome, exciting stuff and make sure they check out Currents. Thanks so much for being on. I truly appreciate your time and this was so much fun. Thank you. This was really fun. I look forward to meeting you at Fest.
You just heard the incredible early riser. The amount of talent packed into this band is limitless, and I'm so fortunate I was able to experience it firsthand at the best. Lucy's felt as if it was just burgeoning with pureness and positivity, and if I ever need to feel reinvigorated, uh, Early Riser is the band I'm going to turn to. That's it for this week, but I'll be back soon with fresh new guests. Uh, keep up in the meantime on social media through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search at Angry Girl Music. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or a comment on Shout Engine. You can even tell me who I should try to chat with next. I love your suggestions. I love talking to you. So until next time, rest up, fellow festers. If you really need to feel invigorated, please listen to Early Riser. And no matter what, stay strong and stay feminist. I'm sick of hating myself for being awkward when all I want is to Join in.